Good evening, and welcome to Bible Talk with Jane and Shannon. I'm Jane. And I'm Shannon. And our topic tonight is, You Are Seen. Yes. I think this is really important. I think so, too. I think I think it's a con- concept that we uh, gotta, some Christians are missing a, a little bit of. Um, not intentionally. No. But I think... I think sometimes we forget that we're being watched. Yeah. By people, believers, non-believers, by God, by God, by our children. Yeah, we're being watched, and it, well, not in a negative way. No, not in a negative way. And I thought about this. I read Second um, Chronicles thirty-four today in, when I was reading the Bible this morning, and this is uh, when King Josiah he. Uh, tears down all these altars to to idols and and he starts getting uh he makes sure that the workers get paid so they can start rebuilding the temple he he makes a clean sweep of everything and then all of a sudden they're going through the temple must have been a mess and they all of a sudden find the book the the Bible, you know, it wasn't the book right. of Moses. The book of Moses and yeah. such. The book of Revelation. And they hadn't seen this for decades. Well, not the book of Revelation. Oh, no, no, no. It, it was their Old Testament. Okay? The Pentateuch. The, yep, yep, yep. So yes. Deuteronomy and all this stuff. So they found it. I mean, like priests found it. Like, why didn't they know where it was? But anyway, that doesn't matter. They took it to the king and he read what it said. And he tore his clothes in, in mourning because he knew that God was going to judge the whole how far, nation. How far the nation had traveled had from where they had fought, yes. meant to be. And so then he said, please inquire the Lord for me. And instead of the priests doing it, they knew exactly. They told, they went to uh, Huldah the prophetess, who was married to the wardrobe guy who took care of the, the king's wardrobe. So, and she told them, what was coming from God. But what I thought was so interesting was, first, the priest didn't know what God was saying to them. They had to find this woman, and she's never mentioned ever again, but they knew she would know what God was going to say. Well, and I, I think, I'm not defending the priest here, but yeah. I think a long time had gone by since they had done things correctly. That's true. So these were priests, but they were not raised that's true. They that were not true. raised in their priesthood to act the way they were supposed to that be. That is true. That is true. You know, true. this is going back to David talking about, you know, I, I contemplate your words all the time. David talks right. about reading the word and being in the mm-hmm. word. So somewhere between David and then Solomon building the temple, it had degraded so much yeah. that they, well, that's they true. didn't even know what to do. Well, that's true. That so when they, true. Found the, when they found the book, it was a revelation. It was like brand new. Yeah. It'd be like someone who didn't who had heard of the Bible but never knew what that one looked like found one and went, Oh, how do we do this? Yeah. And well, they went to go okay. find someone. All right, let's and there was this. there was one person though that knew yeah. the answer. And that that was amazing. Yes. Because everybody else had fallen away. But this woman apparently knew probably was raised in in doing it right. That's so they right. needed her. And people knew she knew. For just that, yeah, for just a moment, and just like this, this, like I said, the only time she was mentioned, it's kind of like, you know, Esther, for a, for a time like this, here you are. Right. And she, her the name is just mentioned in one, one yeah. verse. But I will say, I thought of, okay, I read that this morning, then I thought of something you said last night in our Bible study, how people 
they know you're following the Lord. So when they need to know something or they need prayer, they will know to come to you or come to us who shine for Jesus. So I, I, I feel it's so important that we as Christians really understand that we need to shine for Jesus for people of the world because eventually, hopefully, they'll realize they need to come and, and find Jesus yeah, and they'll know to come to us. It's amazing sometimes. We, we forget that, especially in our society here in the United States, yeah. uh, more, I don't know about other places, but here in the United States, non-believers understand what belief is. Mm. They understand that someone has a spiritual connection with God. Mm. Even if they don't, they know that someone does. Mm-hmm. So they look for that person in times of uh, challenges, in, in times of trouble, in times, times of grief. They will look for those people that they know exist mm-hmm. and may never give them the time of day right. until all of a sudden a crisis arises and then they turn back in some ways to God by going to someone who, yeah. they, who, who they know is, is more connected with God. Um, I think of at the school when we've had suicides. Yes. They call the pastors. Mm-hmm. They don't call us. They've never called any of the pastors until then. Yes, they right. never call us to come in and talk to the kids about anything until it's until there's a huge crisis like that. Then they immediately set us up, knowing that we are we are through our connection with God that we are willing to step in and do mm-hmm. something. So when I see, you know, people say, "Oh, it's separation of church and state," until there's a crisis, mm-hmm. no one had a problem with George Bush praying and nine eleven. Right. In any way, shape, or form, nobody was going to complain about that. There was mm-hmm. no ACLU coming out and saying you can't pray mm-hmm. because it was a crisis. Right. And up until then, it's too- they, they don't want to know about it. They don't yeah. want to have to deal with it. They don't want to have to deal with God. They don't mm-hmm. want to talk about God. But when there is a crisis, everyone comes back. Mm-hmm. And so as Christians, we have to realize we that... we got to be ready. Yeah, because at any point in time... First Peter three fifteen. Mm-hmm. Okay. But in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared mm. to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Oh, that's a good. Yeah, one. do it with gentleness and respect, and that that right there is what we're talking about. Yeah. When okay. people die, if you don't have a belief in heaven, a belief in God, a belief in an afterlife, you're hopeless. So they go to those people that say, yes, there is a heaven. Mm. That's where they go. Now, unfortunately, um, so many times it's after the fact. It's kind of late. should have come to me before. Yeah. But <clears throat> they're looking for hope. And they turn to us for that. They turn to Christianity for hope. Mm-hmm. And in doing so, um, we have an opportunity. Mm-hmm. And it may be a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity right. to talk to someone that you may never get another chance. So we have to be ready when that door opens yeah. and we can answer it. And it says, in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy. And when that time comes with gentleness and respect, be willing to witness. Mm-hmm. And it will come. Mm-hmm. You know, it might be years, but it, those years aren't wasted because that whole time you can be growing in Christ and getting right. deeper and deeper in your faith and and, oh, I just thought of something. Oh, I think I shared this scripture last time we had a podcast, but it's a good scripture. Okay. 2 Timothy three sixteen and 17, all scripture is inspired by God 
profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God or the woman of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. Okay, here. Here's a story. I just read it somewhere. And Uh it's a true story, but I don't know the monk's name. Okay. Anyway, this guy went in and became a monk. I think he had like a a faith awakening, you know, like a birth to Christ. And so he became a monk. And, oh, I know what it Okay, this monk, but he was very happy to be like an obscure monk. Right. Just be a brother who was gardening or whatever. Just spend his time in communion with God and not worry about anything else. Yes. Yes. Anyway, for some reason, he was told he had to go to Rome. And he didn't want to go to Rome. But he really felt God wanted him to go to Rome or he was being sent to Rome. Anyway, so he goes. And this is a true story. I don't know how you can uh, search for it because I can't remember the guy's name. But... So, he's in Rome, and then he goes by the Colosseum, where they're having the gladiator fights. Mm -hmm. And the gladiators, to win, you kill the other dude. And he goes into the Colosseum and sees this, and the one gladiator is about to kill the other gladiator. This little monk, and he was a little guy, runs on, and he gets between the gladiators and don't kill him. Well, they end up killing him. But the emperor, whoever, was so moved by what this monk did, they stopped they the gladiator, stopped gladiator fights yeah, from I've, then I've on. Heard that story before. Yeah, Ignatius yeah. or something. Yeah. But that's all that monk did. I mean, the rest of the time he was very obscure, but in just being in that one place, he didn't plan it. He just ran in at the spur of the moment, just trying to save a life, and he stopped all the gladiator fights. And... He 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 saved lives right. by just and that going there. That situation could arise for any of us at any point in time. Um, uh, I'm looking at Matthew five right now. Jesus yeah. said, "In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to God your Father who is in heaven." Mm-hmm. There are times of tragedy. There are times of uh, natural disasters. Things like that where. Christian missionaries, Christian groups will come in. Samaritan's Purse, the SBC will go in. They'll go in and they'll help recover from these tragedies. People that aren't believers see that. Mm -hmm. And they know that. And they see the work and they understand you're not doing this because of them. You're Mm -hmm. doing this because you love God. Mm -hmm. And they see that. Even if they, they may not admit that to themselves or know that, they know that's why you're doing it. Mm Mm-hmm. And there are people that will try and abuse that system. There are people that, oh, yeah. that do all that kind of stuff. But it doesn't matter. We're not doing that. You know, Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. Mm-hmm. If we are truly doing that, people will see that. Right. And it will it will have an impact. It can have a profound impact on someone. Or even if it's just a passing thing and you're planting a seed, that's enough. But that that is... <clears throat> That concept of working for God and doing for God all the time, when the time comes um, that someone does notice or does open their eyes Mm -hmm. or does start searching, they're going to come to someone who they already know is there. You know, if if I've got a situation like, oh, let's say... uh, Something happened. We just had a tree go down a couple years ago, a great big one. And it fell over. If it had broken the propane line between the tank and the house, I would know how to shut it off. 
but that's it. Yeah. I've never cared about how to how to bury or to hook up a propane line, but I would immediately seek someone who did. Oh, true. I will go find someone and say, what do I do? How yeah. do I do this? Whatever. Um, and I may go my whole life without having a need for that. Mm-hmm. But when the need arises, you I know someone. there's somebody that knows. Yeah. So I will go to that person. It's the same way with spiritual issues. They may not acknowledge you, recognize you, uh, uh, converse with you in any way, shape, or about God until all of a sudden they need God. Mm-hmm. And when someone needs God, they go to a Christian to find out what's going on. Mm-hmm. They don't try and do it on their own. That's not something that, that's... Like, right. I, like the propane thing, it's beyond me. I don't yeah. understand it. So I wouldn't even try to just fake it. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't trust propane and a Google. Mm-hmm. I'd go on YouTube and, oh, yeah, Pete that's would. how you fix it. No, Pete, Pete would do anything off of Google. Except <laughs> uh, when it's time to throw away his computer. Um, but I think that's, I think that's important um, that we remember that we are at all times representing God. Yeah. I have another idea here. Uh-huh. Well, not an idea, but a, a thought, this story. Along with this, it goes like that monk who didn't want to go to Rome. He went to Rome. Sometimes you might have an impression on your heart. You know God wants you to do something, and it makes absolutely no sense. Well, just do it anyway, if you know God wants you to. Because this is, I'm thinking about in Acts 8. All right, so this is Philip. He was a... And so when they had solemnly testified and spoken the word of the Lord, they started back to Jerusalem and were preaching the gospel to many villages of the Samaritans. So he had this great ministry. He was doing really, really good. But an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise and go south to the road that descends from Jerusalem to Gaza. Gaza. And this is a desert road. He, You know, he could have said, Wait, Lord, I'm doing your work here. Why are you telling me to go on this desert road? I mean, it made no sense, but he, he obeyed. He arose and went, and behold, there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure, and he had come to Jerusalem to worship. And he was returning and sitting in his chariot and was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go up and join this chariot, which might have felt really, you know, uh, yeah, might have I, felt silly. This and I turned it past her walking up on, on a... Obviously, a wealthy and powerful man. Yeah, because okay, he had his own copy of Isaiah. I mean, and any and he was in charge of the Ethiopian, uh, the Queen Candace's treasure. So you know he was very wealthy. And when Philip had run up, he heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and said, "Do you understand what you're reading?" And I love his response. And the Ethiopian eunuch says, "Well, how could I unless someone guides me?" And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now then, Philip explains and shows him that this is Jesus. And uh, and the eunuch answered Philip and said, Please tell me, of whom does the prophet say this, of himself or of someone else? Okay, and Philip opened his mouth, and beginning from this scripture, he preached Jesus to him. And as they went along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, water, what prevents me from being baptized? Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he ordered the chariot to stop, and they both went down in the water. Oh, this is great. Philip, as well as the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. Translate him like on Star Trek. And the eunuch saw him no more, but went on his way rejoicing. And Philip found himself at Azotus, wherever that is, but a while a ways away. 
Anyway, do you know that you, I'm sure you know this because you know history and everything, but the oldest Christian church is supposed to be in Ethiopia. So this eunuch possibly started it. And I saw on PBS, uh, it was something about, I think it was Ethiopia, and it was talking about the earliest church. And I, I might have this wrong, but they have some baptism day where everybody jumps in this pool at once. Oh. And it's, it's, uh, they feel like they're getting cleansed spiritually and they do this every year. It looked like fun. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, but you know, God might, when we're living for Jesus, he very often could tell us to do some things that seem outrageous and silly or crazy and just do it. You have a blessing on the other side when you do it. Oh, he's yawning. He's oh, had a hard I'm day. I'm sorry. No, uh, it wasn't a hard day. I just worked out hard tonight. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I think we also have to remember all those that came before us, too. Mm. We had witnesses that brought us to this point. Mm-hmm. There were individuals, there were places, there were times where we turned to someone to mm-hmm. lead us to where we are in our lives. And we still do. We still look to 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 people and experiences that continue to change us and get our, our walk closer with Christ. But we have this, and, and it, in Hebrews 12, 1, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Mm-hmm. We have all these examples. You just mentioned that monk. Yeah. We have all these examples that we know of the power of God and what God has done, the things that happened with Philip, all these things. So when God asks us to do something, we are not without experience. And yeah. that's, that experience is, is um, vicarious. I mean, it's experience. We know that someone else did it, so I'm yeah. doing it. But we have this huge cloud of witnesses before us. Yeah. I'm not the first guy to be a Christian. Right. I'm not the first guy to be a pastor. Right. Not the first guy to be a husband. All of these things are, we have looked at people and said, Right. How are you walking your walk? How how are you doing those things? So if we live the way we're supposed to, with all this great cloud of witnesses that we have received, we should also be echoing that throughout time and through Mm -hmm. our own life and live that, run that race of endurance daily, Mm -hmm. waiting for the time when. God'll open that door for us. Mm-hmm. I uh, I don't know. I just can't get off this translating. Oh, he, the trend when he snatched him away and put him in a totally different spot. You know what do you think he felt? Do you think it was just in a second, and then he found himself like like me? Like I found myself suddenly in in Fairview, Montana, with my little redheaded grandson. Oh, you would love to be transported there instead of having to drive it. I know. <laughs> or like. I'm right in my mom and dad's living room in Illinois. I mean, God could do that. I mean, I don't think he does that very often. But uh, actually, I don't know any other time he's done it except for Philip. But there's a lot of stuff that's happened that we don't know about. But, I mean, what a crazy thing. I mean, God can do anything he wants. Yep. But he'll never go against his word. He'll never go against his own character. I mean, it's not in his character to go against his own character. So we can all, we know he's totally faithful and so we can totally trust him when he tells us some crazy thing to do. And we have to remember that as new creatures in Christ, we were created for this purpose. Yes. Uh, Ephesians 2.10, for we are his workmanship, 
mm-hmm. created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Mm. That we should walk in them. I like I like that. The picture that I get in my head there is that this is our walk. This is our daily walk. This is how we should be all the time. Mm-hmm. Not that we should plunge into the water, but we should right. be walking like this all the time. And we were, when we when you accept Christ, when you are cre- recreated, you know we are we are a new person. The old is gone. When we are recreated, we are created with a purpose to do something. Uh-huh. Each and every one of us is a Christian, no matter whether you feel powerless, no matter whether you feel uneducated, uh, whatever. It does not matter. You are still created as a workman for Christ. Mm. And in such, we need to um, live ready to do what God asks us to do. Mm-hmm. And the time will come in your life when God will say, okay, you're made for this moment. You're here yes. for this purpose. This is, And it may be... Did you already read uh, Ephesians 2.10? That's what I just read. Yeah. Would you read it again? Uh, it's that Swiss cheese brain. Yeah. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in. Right. Right. So, if you think about this, it may be a situation in your life where there is one solitary person, mm-hmm. one time, one person, mm-hmm. that needs you desperately. Mm-hmm. And God pre- presents that opportunity to you. Now, in the meantime... Get ready. Yeah. Uh, I think about us when we were in the military. Mm-hmm. You know, how much time do we spend training compared to how much time we actually spend in combat? Mm-hmm. But my job was different. I did my job all the yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You took pictures and smiled and got called GIG. I get that. Hey, I wrote but stories too. Everybody else. But everybody else had a, a, a. They trained all the time. Right, and we trained constantly for the eventuality that might arise or might not. Mm-hmm. You know, I've talked to a lot of older veterans that were. Between Vietnam mm-hmm. and modern day, and they spent years in the military and never mm-hmm. got deployed anywhere. Yeah. Oh, boy. But they trained constantly yeah. just in case just something were happening. It just so happened in that period in history they didn't get deployed. So we should treat our daily lives as training. Yes, yes. You know, we should be we should be exercising in the Word. We should be exercising spiritually. We should be drawing closer and closer to Christ so that when someone says, okay, now, mm-hmm. you should be able to turn it on. You should yeah. be able to say, okay. In and out of season. Now you showed me. Or now you asked me. Let me explain mm-hmm. these things. Um, and I'm not saying... I. Some people are awesome at memorizing chapter and verse. I'm not. I know what the Bible says, and if you give me time, I'll find it. And if you have a concordance, that helps. Yeah. Also, but if you, Google. If you help me, if you help, if, if you give me time, I'll find the things you need. I'm not the guy that memorizes things. I never have been. Um, it's just not. It's not one of my gifts. But I know the word enough to know that it's there, and I can mm-hmm. find it. Mm-hmm. And the more the more time I spend in the word, the more intimate it gets, and the easier it is for me to find those passages mm-hmm. that fit. Mm-hmm. To find the scripture that that is needed at this po- moment in time, um, I'm always amazed because I've never been in a situation, even like when I'm writing a sermon, mm-hmm. I'm never in a situation where there's not the perfect verse, mm. where God has an answer for everything. Yeah, He does. And going out and finding that and being able to present that to someone is important. 
Um, I'll tell you right now, uh, I have never in my life until I became a pastor ever thought about being a pastor. I never thought about the concept. I never thought that I would be standing in front of people and preaching. I never thought about that. I didn't either. And when God did, <laughs> when when God opened that door and said, this is what I want you to do, I stepped through that door. And since then, I've been learning ever since then. It's every day I learn. Every time I preach, I, I, I learn. God is showing me things constantly. So it doesn't matter what your role is, what you think your role is. Mm-hmm. Um, God may have something completely different for you around the corner. All right. It might be around the corner that he says, okay, now this is what I want you to do. I want you to step into this role. I want you to teach Sunday school. Um, your neighbor is going to need you to suddenly come over and be that person that you wanted to be but never had the opportunity to be before. And yeah. you wanted to share with this person and you wanted to and wanted to. And you said, well, I know they're lost and I want to help them. I want to help them. If they come and knock on your door, are you ready? Mm-hmm. Are you ready to answer? Because they do know. That you do. People know that you know the answers. Mm-hmm. Because they see it yes. in your life. They see that you have hope. They see that you have peace. And why do you have peace? How do I find your peace? And that's when we're called to, okay, go for it. I have a, a verse I'm sure. Oops. Psalm 34, 8. This will seem like it's a little off topic, but it's not. You know, it's all related anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, Psalm 34, 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. How blessed is the man who takes refuge refuge in him. Now, the reason I brought that up is because I'm reading a book right now called Eat This Book. And it's by Eugene Peterson. And God tells, like, Jeremiah, John, John. And, and Ezekiel. Tastes like honey. Yeah, yep. to eat this scroll. Yep. And the the reason why the, the book, and that's kind of why the, this book is written, is titled that Eat This Book. But... His point is, is that we don't just read scripture. We are supposed to ingest it. Remember that Jesus is the bread of life. It is supposed to become part of us. So we take it into ourselves and we actually, we just let it transform every single cell of our body. And of course we can't do that on our own, but we do it through the spirit and the spirit does that. And so we have to kind of, that's where it says meditating on the scripture. You just really right. think and mull over it and chew on it like a dog chews on a bone. You know, you you dwell on the scripture and, and just really consider, what did God mean by that? And I just want to bring that up. That will help us if we approach scripture in that way that's a meal, like you said, right. eat meat and milk if you approach it like that. And let it get into you and digest it. That will prepare us even more for those times when we're called up by God to do a certain thing. You know, and every any everything we do is important. I mean, do everything in gratefulness. But there will be those times, like you said, with a neighbor, with a stranger. Did I tell you that one? And I still don't know what happened. I was in a I was in a Walmart in Minnesota. I had to stop and get something. Me and Hawk were coming back from somewhere. I don't know that. Anyway, I stopped and I, I remember I was on the, on 90 or I don't know, and I took a right off and that's where a Walmart was and I needed something. And I got in line and I'm just talking to the lady. There's like two ladies and we we're just chatting away and I don't know, 
and I felt something. This lady was saying how her arm hurt, and she, she did something to it. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah, and I reached out and I say, "Be healed," or "Jesus heal her." And I did feel something. And she was like, "Woo!" And I don't know, maybe God healed her at that moment. And I don't know, I was being quirky. I I don't usually do that, and I don't have any healing gift whatsoever. But maybe that day God did it, and I don't know why I brought that up, but it's some. Who knows? Maybe when I get to heaven, that lady will say, "Hey, I was the one who stood by you in Walmart, and guess what? God did through your hand, and you had no idea." Anyway, life with Jesus is an adventure. You know, let Him be in charge. Just let go, like they say, let go and let God. Let go. Let Him be the driver in the driver's seat. Just let Him drive you wherever He wants to go. He knows exactly the best places to take you, like the the. the you know, the shepherd takes you to green pastures. and, and Yeah, and I just want to kind of sum up with this a little bit Oh, here. good. Sum it up. This is out of Philippians 2. And I want, if you're a believer, I want you to listen to this mm-hmm. and take this into your heart. Philippians 2, 1 through 11 says, So if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy... So if you have received any of these things, Mm. Paul says, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord of one and of one mind. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Mm. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. In other words, what Paul is saying here is, if you have ever received... If you've ever, if God has ever touched your life, if you have received comfort, if you have received joy, if you have received love, if you have, if you have felt the Spirit moving, if you felt affection from God, if you felt comfort in pain and sympathy, if you have ever experienced those things, be of like mind Hmm. and put someone else before you because your purpose on this earth may be to save someone else from hell. And if you are a, if you are if you are in touch with what you have received, you can easily give it. Mm-hmm. I think about that. Um, a little analogy there is: I teach history, I teach world history, I teach U.S. history. The more I teach, the more I know. Mm-hmm. The more I can pull things. It seems like I can pull things out of the air. And, well, I've taught that same class for four years in a row. So when it comes time for me to have to teach that, the knowledge mm-hmm. is there because I've practiced and I'm ready and I've used it and I know exactly. And someone asked me a question, I know exactly what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Let's go there. The same thing should be with us. If we have received these things from God, they should be so familiar that it's easy to turn around and give it. And, and, and the more you do it, the easier it gets. Of course. But it's one of those things that everybody who is truly a Christian has received these things. There's no doubt. You have received. Mm -hmm. And if you receive and stay in the Word and stay walking with Christ, when the time comes for you to then hand it to the next person, it'll be easy. Mm -hmm. It'll be there. So be ready because people are watching and people are needing us. Mm -hmm. Whether they acknowledge it today or not, whether they condemn you today, their time will come. Mm-hmm. When they will look to you and say, oh, what's this mean? Mm-hmm. 
It's coming. Mm-hmm. If it has it, if it isn't there today, it might be there tomorrow. Be ready for it. Hey, that's a great way to end. <sighs> there we go. Good job. Well, God bless. Yeah, thanks for listening. And if you have not accepted Christ into your life yet, it's a good thing go to meet do. Him. Yeah, go meet him. Go just meet say him. he's waiting for you. Just say, Jesus, I want to meet you. He's waiting for you. Yeah. And if you need to go talk to someone who is already walking that walk, go to them and say, Hey, I hear you're supposed to be ready to tell me about your hope. Tell me about your hope. Oh Wouldn't that be goodness. awesome to have someone yes. come with that verse and say, This is what I I, I heard this one verse and I don't I don't know what it means. Can you tell me? Wouldn't that be awesome? Oh, it would be awesome. Someone comes up, Hey, will you talk to me about Jesus? Oh. I mean that would be like that'd be a gift. So yeah. Every Christian wants to talk about Jesus. Just give them the opportunity. Anyway, so hey, thanks for listening. Bye. God bless. Bye. Oh, my music.